Hi, and welcome to this Adoptee Life podcast. I'm Amanda, your host, and I'm so happy that you are here. This Adoptee Life is where adoptees can come to explore our story, share our experience, and speak our truth in support and community with fellow adoptees and the world. This podcast is for anyone who is connected to adoption in any way. For my fellow adoptees, I wish to offer support, comfort, validation, and hope. Please know that you are not alone. For non-adoptees, I hope this can be a resource and place to come and listen to adult adoptees as we share from our lives and perspectives. Please follow this Adoptee Life podcast and consider leaving a review. It really helps our message reach more people. You can also find This Adoptee Life as a blog at thisadopteelife.com and on various social media outlets. Why not join the community by signing up to our monthly newsletter? That way you will know about new blog posts, events, and updates to come with This Adoptee Life. And if you really like the work that I do and want to support, there is an option to donate to This Adoptee Life. I will share the links in the show notes. And I thank you so much for being here. In the next three episodes, I will sit down with my first three guests of the show. They are all fellow adoptees who I invited because of how supportive they've been of my work, because of the important work that they are doing, and because I want to let new listeners and fellow adoptees know who they are and how to find and connect with them. So without further ado, let's listen in to our first episode with a guest. Today, we're talking with Pamela Caranova, who is a fellow adoptee and founder of Adoptees Connect. I'm going to hand it over to Pamela right away so that you can introduce yourself, share a little bit from your story, and also share with us about Adoptees Connect and the work that you do. And by the way, thank you for being here. (laughs) You're so welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It was a really big honor just to um, be able to get the request from you because for those that don't know, I've known Amanda online now for, I don't know, at least, at least three or four years, three years. See, I knew it was up there and I'm like, gosh, and we, we keep crossing each other's paths and I keep seeing you over there in your corner doing your thing and I'm over here cheering you on and, um, my name's Sam, um, and I am the founder of Adoptees Connect. So uh, for those that don't know what Adoptees Connect is, it's basically a nonprofit organization that was created um, to create connect groups in person for adult adoptees. Um, the groups are designed to meet in person once a month, and I can tell you more about the dynamics of the group and, and all of that in a little bit. But um, a piece of the journey as to how the nonprofit got started would kind of go back to my story so I can share a little bit about um, that with you. Um, I do share it on my website, PamelaCaranova.com if anybody wants to go into details of, you know, I think I've been writing there since 2012 was the first article. So um, it's basically my life story and it's really for adoptees to be able to um, be validated and heard. Um, 
in other people's stories. So anyway, uh, I grew up in Iowa um, in a closed adoption. Um, my adoptive parents divorced when I was a year old and um, went their separate ways. Uh, I was raised in a house with my adoptive mom who um, actually wasn't even able to parent children of her own. She suffered from pretty significant mental illness. And um, my time in that house was really um, a lot of trauma. Um, I, I was, I was running away at an early age, ended up finding out I was adopted about five and that changed everything for me. Even from five years old, I was, you know, running around searching for this woman that gave me life, the one that loved me so much. Um, and so I was always seeking and searching for more. Um, I always say that some adoptees are bothered by being adopted and some aren't on a scale of one to 10, where am I? And I'm like at 15 million, like way over on the other side of being bothered by it, even from a little bitty kid. Um, I have stories for days of fantasizing and dreaming like so many of us do um, about what our birth parents look like. Where are they? Who are we? Who do we look like? Um, all of the textbook adoptee thoughts and feelings and emotions. Um, and I had this fantasy that my birth mother was going to come back and get me. And this was all this big mistake. And I think I reached my preteen years and realized like she's never coming back. And I literally lost, lost it and acted out in just about every way possible that any teenager probably has ever acted out. And um, I never really grew out of that. Um, I carried a lot of really, really, really deep rooted anger, rage, resentment, um, I hated the world. I hated everyone in it. And I really, really hated myself. Um, I looked in the mirror and hated what was looking at me because I didn't know who was looking at me. Uh, it was just like this blank slate, like an empty walking shell is what I used to describe how I used to feel. And um, I got uh, hooked on alcohol at a really young age. At 12, I started drinking and would spend the next 27 years of my life with alcohol literally being the center of every single day. Um, it was really a coping mechanism because I couldn't sit with myself. Um, I couldn't sit with the pain of, you know, my adoption story growing up in an abusive household and, um, wanting to know who my birth parents were and searching for them everywhere and having to fight the world for my truth was really a draining thing from a very early age. Um, <clears throat> so, um, I had a child of my own and all of a sudden I ended up finding out who my birth parents were because my adopted mom just woke up one day and remembered their name <laughs> after years of lying to me about it. Yeah, and um, so to make a long story short on that end, um, I ended up finding my birth parents, meeting them both one time, and they both pretty much just slammed the door in my face and want nothing to do with me, don't want a relationship, total rejection. Um, it was a really hard pill to swallow and still is. However, I'm, um, I, I've been able to experience that and process it and sit with the pain for really like years of sitting with the pain. And um, 2012, I decided I can't drink alcohol and work on these adoptee trauma wounds. <laughs> I tried it and I became suicidal. It didn't work for me. Um, 27 years of drinking, I put the alcohol away in 2012 and I've never had a drink again since. Um, and now I am nine years alcohol free. In that nine years, I have been able to sit with all of this pain that came flooding in that I ran from my whole life. Mm -hmm. um, and it's interesting because these are very complex emotions, as you know, and as any adoptees uh, uh, that are listening know, but when they come and they show up at your front doorstep, it's like, holy shit, 
what do I do with all these feelings? Like, I don't even know how to process these feelings. What am I going to do? I seen therapists since I was five years old. I was five years old in therapist's office, six years old, seven years old, eight, nine, 10. I was in therapist's office at 18 years old. And guess what? Not one of them said, let's talk about adoption. Let's talk about adoption. How do you feel about this? How do you feel about not knowing who your birth mother is? How do you feel about her? How do you feel about your adopted mom? Like, how do you feel about these weird dynamics in this house where you really don't fit in or blend with anyone? Mm. Instead, you fight and want to kill each other every day with chaotic fighting, fist fighting. Um, my adoptive mother trying to commit suicide in front of us, laying in the street, taking pills, um, over medicating, and then untreated mental illness. And you can imagine where that all went growing up, seeing and experiencing all that. Um, when that's your childhood in your life, you don't have healthy to compare it to. I didn't know as a five or six or seven or eight year old kid that this is really not okay. Like this is not normal. I had no idea because I didn't know what normal was. Um, but in the nine years of um, living without alcohol, I have been able to, um, number one, come to a conclusion that nobody's going to create resources for adoptees unless it's adoptees. Um, I, I decided in 2012 that I really needed help to navigate through all of these emotions that showed up without alcohol. And I didn't have any help. And I was like, I can't therapy another therapist. Um, I, I found as an adult and I started defogging um, that I would go into the therapist's office and start talking about relinquishment trauma and the primal wound and all of these things. And they're like, oh, can you explain that to me? Can you explain oh, that yeah. to me? And I'm just like, you don't even know what it is. Like you don't even know what it is. And so the last therapist I ever saw, I just said, I'm never, I'm, I'm not saying therapy is bad because thankfully there are quite a few adoptee competent therapists yeah. that are coming about, as you know, and, yeah. um, but it was a total dead end for me. And I knew I had this vision of creating um, spaces that were for adoptees only mm -hmm. by adoptees in person. Um, I had hit a really low point in 2017 where I was like, I just went out of the world. I was mentally planning a way to get out and I wanted it to look like a, a like um, it was a, just a spur of the moment um, accident. Not that I didn't want anybody to know I was trying to get out. I just wanted it to look like an accident. And, and it was all these different components to my adoptee journey that took me down there. And I'm bringing that part up because even though I had adoptees all over the world, I've spent all these years building relationships with, I couldn't get on the internet and say, Amanda, I'm feeling really, really bad right now. And I don't know what I'm going to do. And I really, I, I couldn't even do that. Yeah. Um, I couldn't reach out to one person online. However, I knew that if we created these communities of in-person adoptees, that we would connect in person and in, in real life. And we, that's exactly what happens. Um, so then in 2017, I had you know, that really dark period and the vision of adoptees connect and putting the wheels in motion for that is actually what ended up um, really bringing me back to life mm. because I was ready to give up even with three children, even with a wonderful career, even with very much things that I love happy to do in my life that that adoptee pain was just too big for me. So that's how a little bit of my backstory, I had to go through all of this pain to kind of get to um, the creation of Adoptees Connect. Yeah. Um, and I really um, think it's brought purpose, purpose to my life and it's taken the pain. And I've actually feel like I've had more healing 
in connecting with adoptees in person and sharing our stories and having the purpose of Adoptees Connect than I think I've ever gotten in anything I've done in the last nine years to heal. And so that's a little piece of um, kind of my personal story and how I've got to create Adoptees Connect. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing. And, um, you know, I've always felt so connected to you. And I can see now why, because although my experience and my family wasn't exactly the same, there are so many similarities in what you speak of. And I even had to take a few notes here, but uh, just what you said about the dynamics, the weird dynamics that you didn't know that they were weird, that they were not normal. I, I so relate to that. And I've heard from other adoptees too, like we normalize things and we don't have anything to compare with. So we stand and look at ourselves in the mirror and we're like, who, who is that? And you know, that not liking yourself. I used to pull my hair because I wanted it to be straight, like all my friends, you know, blonde, Swedish, straight hair. And um, so, yeah, there's, there's so much, and it's so, inside of us right and I think that's where we need fellow adoptees and where adoptees connect I can totally see how that comes into your healing journey and so many people's healing journey because what we carry inside it's really only another adoptee um, who can understand that who can relate to that not you know any therapist in the world doesn't matter how good they are they can read up on it but it's only yeah. a fellow adoptee who might be a therapist that can really sit there and, and go yeah I, I get it I, I truly get it. Yes, and validate one another. I mean, the validation of, I remember the first time even learning that relinquishment was a trauma. Mm. I used to hear one of the things I was like hoping to touch on tonight, if other people hear it, I, I love listening to perspectives. You tell me what you think about this, but I hear a lot in the adoption community, adoptee community, um, adoption trauma, adoption trauma, adoption trauma, which I think adoption does create trauma, but I think it throws people off sometimes that aren't as knowledgeable in the adoption arena or language that some people use that, that before that trauma takes place, the relinquishment trauma was actually first. And sometimes people don't um, distinguish it. And it's just like, I've had adoptees come to me and they're like, I was not adopted, or I was not traumatized by adoption. My adoption was actually a blessing. Uh, it was, it was, if I would have stayed with my birth parents, I would have died and all of these different things. And I'm like, I think a lot of the times people aren't understanding because sometimes people do go to good adoptive homes. I mean, a lot of adoptees have great adoptive parents and great adoption stories after that. But um, I try to, as much as I can, distinguish between the two, uh, that relinquishment trauma is actually totally separate than adoption trauma. They're two separate events, two totally separate, and they are both very impactful, you know, and everybody's impacted by them. But anyway, what is your thought on that? Yeah. Oh my God. I'm, I'm so on board with this. And I actually, so you being a domestic adoptee, speaking more of a relinquishment, whereas I'm an, a transnational adoptee, and I actually speak more of separation between mother and child, because I don't mm -hmm. know that I was relinquished. I don't have my story. So I can't right. say that I was relinquished. I may have been kidnapped. I may have been oh um, given oh, away by whoever, like I might be a paper orphan. If you don't know what that is, it's essentially when yeah. orphans are just uh, like a, a child taken from its parent and you know, made that into an orphan so and made sense. adaptable. So for me, but just like you, I, I also focus on the trauma being 
before adoption. My, my mm-hmm. life didn't start with adoption. My life started way before that. Right. And right. the trauma happened when I lost my family. Mm-hmm. And then I say, you know, tra- like you, there is no adoption without trauma. Trauma mm-hmm. precedes adoption. Right. Right. And then depending on who you end up with, who you, what family you're adopted into, that might cushion yeah. the blow or it might mm-hmm. make it worse or you might be mm-hmm. okay. So yeah. I am so on board with you. And I, you yeah. know, me, I am very much about language in adoption. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, so it, that matters to me as well. Um, I'm glad you brought that up because I absolutely agree with that. And actually, when I tell my story today, I don't even talk about adoption a whole lot. I know, that's that's not another the focus topic. On my story. My, the focus on my story when I tell it is the loss, the, the, the displacement, the being brought from one country to another. Like it's different angles and different terminology than what my papers give me. I don't even recite that story because I think I, I, and true. I love that that yeah. you do that. I remember, was that about a year ago that you made that decision? To yeah, do that? I, I remember. Mm-hmm. I love that and I admire it in so many ways. Um, because I think I remember you explaining that and I'm like, oh my God, that makes perfect sense. How everybody, as soon as you say the word I'm adopted, it's like, everybody gets weird. They're like, oh, like people don't want a part of it. They don't, they, and then, and then the whole adoption is just this praised, wonderful thing. And it just makes it awful as soon as you mention that, but then get down to the nitty gritty of the realities. If you remove that word and then explain it to people, you know, it's probably, so how has that been since you started sharing it. In yeah, that that's been met differently for sure. Like I did a live on Instagram with uh, someone who's becoming my friend and we connected on writing and I actually shared my story that way. And she was like mind blown. And, and the questions she asked following that were so on point and she was able to like, oh, that must've been really traumatic. Can't believe that's your story. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of compassion and and from other people as well. So it is definitely, and it's a way of taking our power back. I think that as adoptees, um, that's how we own our story. And that's how we, you know, I think it can be, people can think like, oh, but that's really a a really heavy and and dark way to tell your story, but it's my truth. So um, I'd rather tell it that way and and put it out into the world that way. Yeah. Yeah. I, I am literally just learning from you too. And I love it because I try to put myself in other people's shoes, but I never thought about the dynamic of like me saying relinquishment Mm -hmm. and you don't know if that even happened or not. Like that just literally just gave me chills everywhere. Yeah. Like, and I I thought about it, but I don't, I don't know why I did not make the connection before. And that's the whole thing that international adoptees are. It's such a different ball game than domestic adoptees in so many layers layers that I I didn't even know like I I think domestic adoptees can understand what international adoptees go through more than just a person on the street absolutely but but there's so many more layers to it I mean and I have there are different layers I would say because I I think there's you know where somebody know like you know, with the original birth certificate, if you're an adopted uh, domestic adoptee, that's a big struggle, right? If you don't have your original birth certificate, um, right. that that's that's tough to know that you, the paper you have isn't real. And and mm-hmm. for an international adoptee, the equivalence it's maybe knowing your adoption papers aren't real. So it's very there's overlaps and similarities mm-hmm. in so many ways. But I think that's why it's so important to allow each individual adoptee yes. to claim their own story and use the word that is right to them and that way 
we don't just brush over it like oh adoption this adopt these that it's like no each individual will mm-hmm. tell you a slightly different story if they are allowed that space to do so right that's so good that's yeah. so awesome so uh moving on a little bit I so I just want to give a little bit of backstory um, about how and why I invited you as my first guest. Um, so when I came into the online adoptee spaces and adoption centered spaces, this was in 2017, 18, around there. So it, it would have been just when you launched Adoptees Connect. I didn't realize it at the mm-hmm. time. I thought it was already like a well-established, like been around for years, but I connected with you and I, you stood out as someone who was so supportive and encouraging um, to what I was sort of trying to piece together and starting to work on with this adoptee life. And even though this is the first time we speak in person, like that has always just had such a special place in my heart. Um, So what I wanted to do with the first few guests that I'm inviting is specifically you and a few others who have had that role for me as an adoptee, people who were already doing work, who had already um, processed and unpacked a lot and were kind of guides to me, people that I've looked up to and admired throughout this journey as I've been building this, uh, this adoptee life. And so um, adoptees connect being, you know, the big thing that you've been working with and on. And um, then I have a few others that will be in the upcoming episodes. And I'm so excited about that because I want this to serve as sort of a guide to fellow adoptees who are now coming in for me to say like, hey, these are some people that um, if you like what I do, then these are the people that I look up to. These are the people who have been pouring into me throughout all of this. So go look them up and and see what they're doing because there's some amazing, amazing adoptee uh, resources and, and work out there created by by fellow adoptees um, and then the timing of it um, was that and, and we can move into um, adoptee remembrance day yeah um, that's coming up at the end of this month so uh, adoptees connect is the organization that you created and that you're found the founder of which is a, like you mentioned um, an organization that has groups throughout the country i think internationally too mm-hmm. if i'm not mistaken and so pockets of adoptees meeting in person connecting talking and supporting one another and mm-hmm. then was it last year that you launched was that the first year for the adoptee remembrance day it was, it was. So Adopt Your Remembrance Day um, kind of came about because I think that my time in adoptee land, um, which is the online adoptee community, um, has probably been since 2009. So like 12 years, I've heard little snippets of different people mentioning a day like Adopt Your Remembrance Day. But when it came to putting action behind it and like bringing it to life, it, nobody did it. And mm-hmm. I'm, I think that there was a lot of intention to be able to do it, but um, everybody has different visions and ideas. And I said to myself, I, I participated in National Adoption Awareness Month so many times, which is November. And I kept finding myself, whatever I would come up with for that month, I found myself um, as soon as November was over, I was literally emotionally and mentally depleted until next year. Yes. I would go invisible. I would leave all the platforms and I would be done. And I kept finding myself 
really feeling like I did a whole lot of work that whole month, but at the end of the day, all of the adopted parents and all the pro-adoption narrative is always going to be louder. And I know that a lot of people don't feel that way, but that's how I was personally feeling. And so um, when I was kind of sitting in that the year before is when I said, you know, I'm not going to participate in that anymore. What I really think I want to try to do and see how it, it, it plays out if, if, if it's kind of planned the right way um, is create one day. And I thought really hard about um, one day, a week, a month. And I thought, well, with the sensitive nature and topics of what Adoptee Remembrance Day is about, I personally can only handle one day. <laughs> like I couldn't, I just thought, and I was not just thinking about my mental health. I was thinking about everybody's mental health. Yeah. Um, and so Adoptee Remembrance Day was picked Adoptee Remembrance Day because um, I wanted to pick a day that was before National Adoption Awareness Month um, and to have the day be a symbol of remembrance um, for all the adoptees, obviously, that we've lost to suicide um, that have taken our own lives. And um, there were quite a few other things that I wanted this day to be a focus on. Number one, I wanted it to be really highlighted on the adoptee experience. So anybody that's not adopted, anybody, um, birth parents, adopted parents, friends, family of anybody adopted, um, to be able to say, this is one day that I'm going to go find this hashtag and I'm going to read what all the adoptees are saying on Adoptee Remembrance Day. And I'm going to try to put myself in their shoes and learn from them just on one day, just one day of the year, just go seek these adoptee hashtags out and see what they're all saying and learn. Um, and then maybe post something yourself about what you're learning and what your experience is. Um, and the four areas that were the highlighted is obviously the adoptee suicide and then um, crimes against adoptees by adoptive parents. I mean, there's a lot, a lot, a lot of abuse in adoptive homes and uh, even murder, as you know, and I know. Um, and those are the things that the media does not share. No, people don't know. Um, but it's, it's adoptees know, you know, and our whole community knows. So it's, it's, a, it's a day to reflect on that. Um, it's also a day to reflect on grief and loss and everything that we've lost. You know, it doesn't take much for somebody that we know that sees us hurting to say, you know, hey, I'm gonna put a post on social media and I'm just to say, you know, today's Adoptee Remembrance Day and, and I'm not adopted, so I don't know what that feels like, but my heart goes out to all the adoptees everywhere around the world that have lost everything they lost before they were ever adopted. Um, that's, a, that's a dynamic of it. And then um, the adoptees that don't have their citizenship at no fault of their own and they get deported back to you know, their homelands and end up taking their lives because they're not um, welcome there. They don't know the culture. They don't know the language. And this is literally no fault of their own. And it happens more than people know. Um, and Adoptees for Justice has been wonderful at helping me understand all of the dynamics of that better. Um, because until Adam Casper, like, I didn't know that that was a thing. Like, I, I was like, what? I can't even believe that this is happening. And it's happening, like, literally right now. And so, that's a day, Adopt Your Remembrance Day is a day to reflect on that as well. And um, if you have any more questions for me, I can go into kind of, you know, what happens that day unless yeah, you have I was anything gonna, else. I don't want to cut off, but I would love for you to, because, so we're moving out of, I just want to recognize like we're moving into sort of heavy and dark uh, territory quickly. This is going to be episode three of the podcast, but I think it's so important because this is such a big part for so many adoptees in our lives. Like you said, um, 
we can relate to one another. And, and like me personally, when I hear of pain and suffering among fellow adoptees, even if I haven't felt the maybe exact same thing, or even if my situation has been slightly different, I can just, I feel it in my heart in a place that is, is on its own. Um, and it, it's so, um, yeah, I feel it on a different, deeper level. Um, and so I want people to know that. And um, because Adoptive Remembrance Day is coming up October 30th, correct? Mm -hmm. yes, um, I wanted us to have the chance to talk about this and put the word out there for people to hear that this episode and release it before so that they can connect with you with Adoptees Connect and, and possibly show up in support and for fellow adoptees to hear about it and, and just know that there is a day um, that is for us and for our pain um, and, and such. So, but yeah, if you want to share a little bit about kind of what happens, what the day looks like. Um, right. Yes. No, I would be happy to. So um, we just actually, I, I helped, um, well, I actually did the, the recent newsletter that we sent out. Um, that was all the information really um, about how to get involved with Adoptee Remembrance Day and what to do. And um, kind of a recap of that is um, there's quite a few things listed on the website. We actually have um, adoptyourmembranceday.com. Uh, website now. Um, and pretty much everything anyone would like to know on how to get involved is on the website. But um, we're encouraging anyone that is a part of any kind of an organization, it can be adoption, adoptee, birth mother, birth parent, um, or nobody affiliated with adoption, anything to um, create an event um, in their community or online and um, invite adoptees or even other people like um, like birth mothers, I'm mm -hmm. sure they have something to say about Adoptee mm -hmm. Remembrance Day. I mean, it, 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 it will hopefully be from the adoptee perspective. However, I'm sure that they have a lot to say from their perspective about what that day means as well. But I want people to invite everybody to these events and um, really put a focus and a highlight on the adoptee experience um, and adoptees to share their experiences. If they do create events, we're asking them to share them inside our event on Facebook. Um, we do have a Facebook page. Um, last year, we kind of coordinated with quite a few people. We did like a, a poetry um, spoken word event. Um, one of our facilitators hosted that and then Adoptees for Justice had a vigil and we put them in our event, but it, as it grows, it's gonna be really hard for us to keep up with everything. So the easiest way um, that we're asking people to do is for them to put it inside the event on Facebook and then we direct everybody there. Mm. Um, we're asking everybody to use the hashtags that um, are hashtag ARD, hashtag um, ARD, uh, 2021, and then hashtag adoptees we remember, and then hashtag adopt your remembrance day. All of this, of course, is on the website. Um, they can find that. Um, yellow is the theme color because that's a symbol of remembrance. So um, wear yellow and spark conversations at your work and your community. Um, we do have um, some merchandise uh, to be kind of like a walking billboard on adoptee merch. Um, however, those orders would probably need to be in by now to get them by the 30th. Yeah. But um, either way, people can wear yellow. Um, let's see. Um, there's all kinds of different things I have listed. Like um, at 12 o'clock noon, we're going to have uh, four minutes of silence um, around the world. Um, and the four is for those that don't know that adoptees are four times more likely to attempt suicide. Um, 
and a lot of people also don't know that adoptees, you know this, I know, but um, they're overrepresented in prisons and jails, treatment facilities and mental health facilities. Um, four minutes of silence is really a minute to stop wherever you're at, whatever you're doing and pause and just reflect on that four minutes and what that means to you. Um, I don't know about you, but for my personal story, I tried to take my own life at, God, I think I was like 15 years old um, and nobody even noticed, like nobody, I, I obviously didn't succeed, but I kept it to myself. I didn't tell anyone and nobody even noticed. But even at 15, I was like, I want out of here. Like I, and it wasn't, it was because the pain was so great. Um, so at, at noon, um, we said Eastern uh, Standard Time, but it's wherever you are at noon. We're gonna, you know, it'll just kind of ring around um, the United States. Uh, we're gonna do that. And then we're encouraging people at nine o'clock PM to do a vigil wherever they're at um, for the adoptees that um, have, uh, we've lost by suicide. So um, we're encouraging those two things, but people can do them wherever they're at. Um, last year at noon, I was at work. I wished I would have taken the day off, but I don't know why I didn't, but I, I I'm gonna hopefully try to get the day off this year so I can actually take part in that. Um, and I kind of was over in my corner with my box of Kleenex, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but um, those will be the two things that are set in stone. And we're encouraging people to even just put one post or two posts on your social media just to acknowledge the day. Um, and I'm trying to think of what else I might um, be forgetting about taking part in Adopt Your Remembrance Day. Um, I think, I think that's about the biggest things that I can think yeah. of. And then again, everything is listed on the website too. So yeah, and I'll, I'll, I'll include the, the, you can give me the Go website and, and little snippet of information and I'll put awesome. that in the, in the show. Yes. And tag us. That's what I forgot yeah, people to tag us. And then we have the Facebook page and we do have Instagram now. Sarah Graves um, is a sweet adoptee that has stepped on board and helped with the social media for Instagram. And I'm like, yay, thank you, Sarah. Cause I was like, I can't do it all. And she's been a lifesaver. It gets to so. be a lot. Yeah. Yes. It's, uh, I love creating, like I love writing. I love sharing. I love connecting. And then the back end of stuff, it's just luckily I have a husband who's very tech savvy and can do all that uh, or most of it, but yeah, it gets to be a lot. Um, yeah, so thank you for sharing um, about Adoptees Remembrance Day and how to get involved. And, and like I said, I will uh, link to different um, important websites so that people can partake and, and um, yeah, just spread the word. A little goes a long way, right? Yes, a hashtag or a post where people can just come in and say, hey, what is that about? Even if you just right. put hashtag ARD and people yeah. start looking it up and people start asking, oh, what is that? Oh, it's this this thing and that thing and you make conversation. Yes. Um, I think that it's, it's a really good way of getting our, getting awareness out there by just doing our thing and let people come to us mm -hmm. um, and, and uh, with curiosity and questions. Right. Um, I agree. And, it, and I think, I think it being right before November, November is Nam. Um, mm. That was for a purpose to kind of flood the airways with our truth. And yeah. I don't participate in Nam anymore because I'm like, my mental health is not worth that. I, and it's never going to be loud enough to drown out or I'm not saying that people don't make an impact because they do, but um, I just said, you know, I, I'm just going to not spend as much time on that 
holiday is what they call it and kind of focus on something. Let's get, let's, let's talk about what happens before that. Let's talk about the trauma. Let's talk yeah, about the which real goes in deal. line with what we were saying before, yeah. which is kind of symbolic of, of the trauma coming before the adoption, the most yeah. significant um, event in our lives as adoptees while adoption is significant in the sense that it's life altering. Right. Yeah. But before that, something happened um, that is equally, if not more life altering and shaking to the core right. of who we are and, and um, who we become after. So yeah, that makes, right. makes a right. lot of sense. And the, the only other thing I was going to mention, um, if you don't care is about adoptees connect, if there's any adoptees out there that are, it's kind of like, um, we don't solicit the groups onto people. Um, they kind of adoptees come and say, Hey, what, how can mm. I start a group? How can I plan a group? And um, it has to be kind of like an internal self-led thing where they're like, I want to inquire on planting a group. And we have um, adopteesconnect.com, obviously. And that has a wealth of information. If there's any adoptees listening that um, have not um, learned much about Adoptees Connect or know how, uh, they can find that information on the website. Um, the really big, big requirement is being an adoptee, obviously. And then um, hosting in-person once a month meetings um, where you're meeting in real life. Now, kind of through COVID, we all had to go um, the online platform, but that, that was just temporary through COVID. Some of the groups yeah. are still doing online, but it has to be in conjunction with the in-person meeting. Mm-hmm. Um, it can't take the place of it. And so if anybody's listening about that, I mean, that's changed so many adoptees' lives of all of us mm-hmm. just being able to build our own um, community of adoptees meeting in person uh, really has changed everything. And now it's like my closest friends um, that I talk to regularly almost every day are adoptees that live within an hour radius from me and it's I want all adoptees to experience that you know because if we don't hear from each other in a two or three day period we're going to come knocking on our doors you know what I'm saying Mm. um and we're just great lifelines for each other so that's the only other dynamic of um I guess you know if if anybody wants to inquire on starting a group they can visit the website that's wonderful thank you for sharing that and that's actually how I found you I think I even just googled something adaptees in person group like I felt like that need of like I I think I need to just sit in connection with in conversation with fellow adoptees and I I remember finding adoptees connect oh what is this and I did plant a group but then being what my life was at the time we moved and so I couldn't uh, continue with it Mm -hmm. but um, yeah I definitely uh, encourage anyone who's out there and hearing this to, to reach out and connect, whether it's leading a group or just joining. Uh, because I think just on a human basic level, we need validation. We need to feel seen and heard mm-hmm. and accepted. Right. And so that's where the adoptee companionship and friendship comes in to play where um, so many adoptees live lives that are either a charade almost, we feel like we need to play this persona or person or or we're just wondering questions and, and nobody else can really understand it. And here you are, you can sit in connection with and conversation and community with fellow adoptees who, like I mentioned before, just get it. You don't have to explain. Yeah. You can just yeah. say, today's a rough day and I'm feeling this because this came to mind and this triggered me and, and, and we can just go, yep, I get it. I'm and you there. know, the crazy thing too is we can show up and, and do life together. And it doesn't have anything to do with adoption. Mm-hmm. We go get coffee, we go eat, we go hike, we 
don't sometimes ever talk about adoption. And other times it's like, girl, guess what happened? You know, and we could just let it all out and they get it and they validate it. So it's really cool thing. I hope that every adoptee, yeah, gets the chance to be able to have adoptee friends in real life. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And that is such a big part of why I even started this adoptee life uh, as well, because then I think we share a vision in that way that I felt when I realized um, after unpacking part of my coming out of the fog and going through so much and processing looking back realizing how alone I felt as an adoptee even though I had we were two adoptees in in the family where I grew up but we never talked about that we didn't connect um, on it or or really at all and so I was so alone and so confused and even felt guilt because there was nowhere where I could talk to anybody about what I was feeling and um, so this adoptee life just like adoptees connect it's about if you're an adoptee I don't want you to ever feel like you're alone because you're not Mm -hmm. there's so Mm -hmm. many of us out here and if I can share my story if I can um put some stuff out there so that even just one adoptee reads it and goes oh it's not just me oh Mm -hmm. my goodness um that's what we're here for right yes changing the game girl that that isolation and aloneness is we, we yeah. got to get rid of it. Yeah. Yeah. We got to talk about these things. Mm-hmm. So I'm so happy that I got to chat with you today. Um, I want to give you the chance if there's anything else that comes to mind that you want to share. Um, maybe if you have a message for adoptees or, or non-adoptees. Um, and then I have a question at the end. Yes, ma'am. Um, I guess I would just say for maybe for non-adoptees, um, if they're listening, um, that thank you for listening, first of all. <laughs> um, and um, I think it's wonderful that you're here. And um, I think it's an awesome space when you can step into an arena of um, individuals for us being adopted, obviously, and um, really just have the persona to listen and learn from us. Um, I can say from a really, really young age that I wish um, my adopted parents would have stepped into a space or anybody really in the families that I was adopted into of space of trying to understand what what maybe this adoptee is going through. Um, So I just commend anybody that's listening that's not adopted for being here and listening to our conversation because um, I think so many of us want to help people understand, but a lot of times, especially mostly on the internet, um, we get a lot of really rude and um, awful uh, treatment from people that aren't adopted a lot of the time, um, a lot of gaslighting and a lot of um, really emotional abuse from people just because we're sharing our stories. And, you know, they have no idea what it took for us to get here to share our stories. Um, so I commend you for listening and for making it this far. And I just encourage you to keep showing up for adoptee conversations and spaces and, you know, subscribe to Amanda's um, channel because. I know she's going to have some good people on and there's going to be a lot of learning from here. Um, And I'm just really proud of you for that. Um, For any adoptees out there, I just want to say, just like Amanda did, that you're not alone. Um, We all have such unique journeys and come from so many different spaces and backgrounds. And um, I have made friends with and met so many adoptees that um, it doesn't matter who we are as people, that, that common thread of being adopted, like it, it creates a bond between us that I never knew that that was possible. Like until I really started building relationships with adoptees, I'm like, wow, I never thought that I would know anybody like that. And then it's like, no matter who they are, or what they are, or how they are, or what they do, um, it's like, 
you, you, they're just like, you know, like family, you know, and um, I just encourage you to um, get to a space in your journey and connect with other adoptees as much as you can so that um, you're able to find your voice. Um, because once we find our voice, we start sharing our voice. And in sharing our voice, we're not only helping ourselves heal, we're helping other people heal. So um, I encourage any adoptees listening just to keep connecting with other adoptees and um, learn from each other, share your story and find your voice. Um, because in that, I mean, that's where the healing starts to happen. I think I was, I was balled up, angry, mad at the world, drinking alcohol for 27 years, couldn't even let the word birth mother come out of my mouth, mm -hmm. um, without like sobbing tears. And finally, when I, I left alcohol alone and I got serious about my, my, um, healing journey, um, you know, then I was little by little, I will never forget the very first conversation I had about talking about my birth mother. Um, and I was literally swinging snot, sobbing tears, talking about my birth mother the very first time. And I was literally um, like 38, the first time I ever sat in a group of people and started talking about my adoption journey and, and the freeing healing dynamic of all of that coming out was, I'll never forget it. I will never forget it. Um, and so that's, that's kind of what I want to encourage them to do is connect with other adoptees. You guys start sharing your stories together because, you know, the more we connect, it's like a yes. fire, you know, yes. and it's like our voices get stronger and they're bigger and we're braver and we're together, you know? Oh, <laughs> so. I feel it. So beautiful. <laughs> I, I say the magic can ripple yes. throughout the world when adoptees come together and can yes. support one another. That's what I yes. see. It's magical. It surely it. is. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. And I agree uh -huh. with, with everything. Um, so my last question, and this is a question I'm going to be asking to all of the guests that come on and it's some, it's a chance for us to sort of put it out into the universe if you believe in the law of attraction or if you don't, but I kind of do. So I want to give adoptees um, the chance to just speak their, their dream out loud. So my question to you as we finish up is what is your dream for adoptees? My, I've thought about this for the last few days and I was like, I know what it's going to be, but it's kind of got two parts to it. So the first part is um, really encouraging adoptees um, to, to get with themselves and to really seek deep within what tools they need and what visions they have as far as anything that they need regarding their adoptee journey um, that isn't available for them and really, really, really think about bringing that vision to life. Um, I know from my own personal experience when I was you know, at a place where I didn't want to go on anymore, that there's no resources for me. Um, there's no help. I had to create it just like you're creating your thing. And all these other amazing people are out there that were before us and that are coming after us, like all these amazing resources now. But the one thing that I've been able to really distinguish, um, and I'm believing that a lot of adoptees can relate to this, is when we have visions um, to create resources, or it might not even be a resource, it might just be an adoptee thing. It might be, um, I don't know, uh, one time somebody said something about creating an adoptee line of cards, like greeting cards. And I'm like, oh my God, please do it because none of the cards at the store work for me, like none of them. And then they never did it. Um, but I'm like those type of visions, because I promise you, I would be willing to bet a million dollars on this, that we have to do this. Nobody else is going to create these things for our community, but us. The kicker with it is, is that 
being adopted for my personal story, I don't have support from my birth family. I don't have support for my adoptive family. Like I don't have any support. So we're stepping out to do something uh, that is really a lonely journey in itself. And even though it's helping people and it's, it's our passion and our vision, um, it's scary. It's scary when you don't have any support. Um, I think one of the things, the two part to that is um, kind of opening up conversations. And this is kind of my way of opening up this conversation is that adoptee land, it's not always safe for adoptees. Um, I can totally see why certain dynamics of online bullying, harassment, mean, um, really rude behaviors from fellow adoptees will scare another adoptee into just never doing anything with their visions and missions and, and uh, vis yeah, visions and missions. And so um, the second part would be for people, anybody out there that sees an adoptee creating something, um, being kind to them, even if you don't agree with it, yes. you don't have to agree with it. Nobody has to agree with it. But what if there's one person that really wants those greeting cards? Yeah. They're going to make a difference. Or one person that really wants um, pictures on their wall that are adoptee centric art pictures from an adoptee that wants to start selling their artwork because yeah. they're artists and they should make money for the artwork. Um, there's all of this big, huge, um, I guess this, I don't even know what to call it, but this, this thing of approval that, that people want to have from people in the adoptee community. I'm encouraging adoptees to give us a group of, of adoptees and take your visions and bring them to life and don't let anyone stop you. There's going to be internet bullies all over the place, whether you're adopted or not, or in that community or another community. If you're doing something constructive and that's important, there's always going to be somebody that's going to try to slam you down. And I'm saying to keep pushing, just keep pushing and to really um, be strong and courageous and stepping out and bringing the visions to life because we need the visions to come to life for our community. I mean, without people stepping forward, I always describe it as like stepping out of a boat and just being like, I don't know what's going to happen with this thing, but I'm just going to see what happens. Yeah. There was a small group of people that tried to destroy it. Mm -hmm. And then there's a huge, big group of people that really supported it. And yeah. um, some of it was really uncomfortable. I won't lie, but um, I just encourage any adoptees that are listening to um, even have online conversa conversations with other adoptees if, it, if the conversation comes about to try to be supportive even when you don't agree with someone's vision. And the, other, the last part is realize that everybody makes mistakes. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of, you know, someone will make a mistake in the adoptee community and then this whole um, slandering, throwing on the bus, cyber mobbing, bullying will take effect to kick that person off of the, the pedestal that they've built. And that's scary to adoptees. Adoptees aren't going to create and bring their visions to life with this type of activity going on. And, you know, sometimes maybe way out, what, what good has this person done? And does the punishment fit the crime? You know what I'm saying? And give people Absolutely. a little, give people some respect and some leeway to say, you know, they said they're sorry, they made a mistake mm -hmm. and we can pick up the pieces and move on. So there's like kind of two or three parts to that. But yeah, no, my, but my dream for adoptees is to, to bring your visions to life because we yes. really, really need more adoptee-centric 
Um, I participate in adoptee-centric anything, spaces, I support adoptee-centric um, everything, but we always have room for more, you know, more, more, more. So, I always say there's room enough for all of us. And, yeah. and I, I encourage when new, when you come in new to the online spaces or just in general to adopt the centered um, conversations to find your people. Mm-hmm. Because yep. yes, we relate on being adopted, but that might be the only thing that we are actually that overlaps our lives. So while there's a lot of connection in that, um, find your people because yeah, it's it's a big it, it group of people, and, and mm-hmm. it's not a, it's not a one like monolithic community. It's, it's right pockets. It's yeah different focuses. So yeah, I I love what you just shared as your dream, and I I agree with it. Thank you. So on that note, <laughs> I want to say thank you for coming on, for sharing uh, from your story, from your life and experience and about Adoptees Connect and about Adoptee Remembrance Day. And thank you for sharing your dream. You're welcome. Thank you for having thank me. You. I'm so proud of you. Thank you. Before we end today's episode, I want to let you know that I will share in the show notes information about how to find and get in touch with Pamela Caranova, how to possibly get involved with Adoptees Connect, and how to participate in Adoptee Remembrance Day on October 30th. Last year, I participated by reading out loud a piece I had written specifically for that day. My next two guests on the podcast are also two fellow adoptees who have showed support and encouragement since I started this adoptee life. If you are a fellow adoptee and you would like to come on the show as a guest and share from your life and perspective, please reach out to me. I would love to have you on and give you the space to speak your truth. If you are a fellow adoptee who has already shared your story publicly, maybe in a book, article, film, or if you have a project, please reach out to me. I would love to offer you the space to get the word out there. A quick reminder to follow this Adoptee Life podcast to please consider leaving a review so that we can grow and reach more people. Also, why not sign up to that newsletter to get updates and join the community at thisadopteelife.com. And again, If you would like to donate and support the work that I do, I will share that link in the show notes as well. I thank you all so much for spending this time with me and my guests and this adoptee life. To all my fellow adoptees, P.S. Let's be in this together.